welcome back to another episode of The Riff. Uh, my name's Cameron, and today I'm joined here with Lauren. Lauren, how are you? Good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, good, thank you. Sorry, listeners, it's been a while since we've uh, recorded a podcast, uh, but we're back at it. Uh, it's been a very busy couple of months, um, and the last couple of weeks have been very hard for everyone, as you know, Lauren. I think everyone's been having to adjust. and. That's right. From things such as working from home to, you know, some people are out there don't have any work on at the moment. It's a bit full on for everyone. Having kids learning from home. Oh, that's right. Yep, yep. It's um, it's a changing world out there. It is. Everything's a bit different at the it moment. Is. And I think um, what we're going to discuss today is a couple of the changes that we're seeing as lawyers. Yes. Uh, and how they affect the day-to-day life of the individuals out there. Exactly. Okay? Uh, So, uh, first of all, uh, if you're a new listener, what we do on this podcast is we just discuss legal issues that come up. I'm a lawyer, Lauren's a lawyer, other people we get on the podcast are lawyers. Um, We're a law firm based in Penrith, but we've got offices in Parramatta and the city as well. And really, our job on this podcast is just to make sure you understand what's going on out there. Yeah, and give an idea about how the legal profession and the law itself affects people day to day. So today we're going to discuss the coronavirus, or COVID-19, as it is called, and how we are seeing it affect individuals and businesses, and the best way that you can protect yourself from a legal standpoint moving forward. Exactly, and how the new COVID-19 laws are being rolled out and how they are affecting people um, and how people can be affected by the laws. So I think the best place to start, Lauren, would be with the changes in the law regarding, you know, all these things that are on social distancing. Yeah, so the primary piece of legislation that's come through that everyone knows about, and there's certainly enough content on the World Wide Web about is the COVID-19 Legislation Amendment Emergency Measures Bill. Uh, So that's in response to all the really unprecedented times about the transmission of coronavirus and what people can do to protect themselves and society and the more vulnerable. And this is the thing that they've been updating like every couple of days. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. These are the things that we see all the press conferences with everybody about. Um, Now, there's federal responses, but this is the response in New South Wales. Okay, that's what we're focusing on. Exactly, exactly. So the COVID legislation, this is a a bill that's been brought through um, and there's two key parts. The first one is a person must not, without reasonable excuse, leave a person's place of residence. So that's the one that we know from seeing ScoMo on TV. Exactly. Talking about just stay inside, stay in your own home. We work from home or, um, you know, don't go out unless you have a really valid reason to do so. So that's where you see all the celebrities doing talk shows from their lounge rooms that's right. and things like Hashtag that. Hashtag stay home. Hashtag stay home. Yep. Now, the legislation does go a bit further to discuss what is considered a reasonable excuse. Yep. Because obviously it's understandable that police officers, nurses, doctors, they all have to leave their home because they have to go to work. Yeah, that's right. If they don't go to work, society doesn't function. We have a couple of problems if they don't go to work. Very big problem. So there is a discussion about what a reasonable excuse is um, and they discuss it in detail in the second reading speech of the legislation, but they've narrowed it down to four primary categories of obviously you can leave your home if you've got to get food or um, got to get some sort of service or things like that. 
Um, The second is to travel for the purposes of work or education that you cannot do at home. Right. So there's some lengthy discussion about what is considered okay to leave for work or education. If there is any way that you can do it from home, you have to do it from home. And I think that's what we're seeing out there in the public already. It's, you know, people like us that work in offices, we can work remotely and stuff like that. But there's a lot of industries out there where they possibly can't work from home. Exactly. Which like is what this tries to cover. Exactly. So nurses that work in hospitals, police yeah. officers, you can't really do it from home. Yeah. Or if so you are, you're not doing a good job. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're probably not the best one out there yeah, <laughs> if that's you're right. definitely doing it from home. The third is exercise. Now... There is, again, some lengthy discussion about what is allowed as exercise. So you're obviously not allowed to go to the gym because they're pretty much all closed. Um, But this is to encourage people to still go out and walk up and down the street to get moving. Um, There's some restrictions with respect of personal trainers or things like that, how many people are allowed in a group. Um, But they're saying you can still go for a walk and walk your dog, but... It's it's requested to just be really logical about it. Yeah, that that's the thing. You've got to look at exercising like you look at all these other measures that are put into place here. You know, the whole point of it is for us to try and, you know, distance ourselves from each other. And protect one another. A hundred percent, yeah. Okay, and yep. And the last one? The last one is medical or caring reasons. So, obviously, if you need to go to the hospital, if you need to go to the doctors, you can do so. Yeah, okay. Um, but it is worth noting that there are a lot of measures that have been brought in by the government that allow people to engage in medical services remotely. Yep. So there's the telehealth program that's been introduced that allows doctors to Skype their patients. Yep. And there's been a permission now for doctors to send scripts to pharmacies directly. Yep. And then, so if you go to a regular pharmacy to get a regular script, you're still able to go there and the pharmacy can continue to give you that script. Yeah, without the need to go to the doctor. Exactly. So they've really tried to do everything they can to enable people to stay home yep. and not go outside. Yep. And I think that's one of the things we've got to say with this is this whole situation is changing day by day. So by the time you're listening to this, you know, yep. it may have changed again. But as we're speaking now of just before Easter 2020, this is what the current the, directives yeah, say. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, the other aspect of this bill is to not only give some directive about what a person can do, but what people in public can do. Okay. Um, yep. And this is... Th- the second order that says a person must not participate in a gathering in public, in a public place of more than two people. So two people in a group is it. So we're fine right now. Just we're doing you. okay. We're, we're doing, doing okay. And okay. we're social distancing we are, in this podcast right now. You might have seen the photo from this podcast. We are definitely at different ends of the table here. So again, there are exceptions for this um, and they've given very strict uh exceptions for this because they really are concerned of a group of people coming together and then all departing and just spreading the virus going forward um so it's the exception is if gatherings of members are in the same household so obviously if you've got you know a husband wife and three kids in the one household that's exempt because you're all in the home and then the other aspect is gatherings essential for work or education. So police officers or nurses all being in the same floor of a hospital, it's, yep. it's, that's an exception. We yep. kind of need that to happen. Yeah, yep. no. And I think um, one of the problems we've seen out there in the media at the moment is a lot of people don't understand what these rules are. So um, if you don't understand, the best way to understand them is to go to the source. Exactly, <laughs> it, exactly. what we've done here. And there, there was a lot of discussion in the drafting of this to make this as logical and straightforward 
and easy to read as possible. And it really is. And yeah. if, if you are confused about it, read the second reading speech. It explains yeah. the purpose of this of this legislation. Yep. The really important part from the perspective of a criminal lawyer, which I am, is the fact that uh, that, that a part of this legislation creates an, an offence. Yep. So if a person is found to be doing either of these two things or a group of people, it, it's an offence to breach this. And it, they, they stress the importance as to why it's an offence now because of the significance of, of if this isn't followed, yep. that we don't have any control or vaccination for this virus so you want to contain it and not put stress and on think, the health system i think that's what we've seen with the measures put into place the first you know um the restrictions that we saw were very relaxed we can say from what's going on now yep. um but because people weren't complying with them like anything you know you've got to put penalties exactly <laughs> it's about consequences yeah, at this stage 100 percent. so these consequences may seem you know what extreme yeah extreme yeah. but they're extreme for a reason. We exactly. don't want you to go outside in big groups. Really. Exactly, exactly. And we don't want it to be spread without any control. And we don't want to be putting this pressure on the health system that we that we can't can't possibly service. That's right. Yeah. So the penalties for breaching the going outside or being in a group is an up to six months imprisonment or a fine of eleven thousand dollars. Which is extreme. Huge, <laughs> which is huge. And of note is that if, for example, you're, you leave your residence without a reasonable excuse for one day and then you do it for another three days, for every day that continues, you face a fine of $5,500 on a continuing basis. Yeah. So they're not messing around. Yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> and of note, they've actually uh, created the ability to fine a corporation. Um, oh wow! Okay, yep. So, if a person isn't engage, if if a company isn't engaging in the working from home capacity where they have the ability to do so, or they're not implementing the gatherings aspect, then the corporation could be fined fifty five thousand dollars, and a further twenty seven five hundred twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars each day they don't comply. Which is astronomical it's really huge. especially with everything that's going on in the moment with you know it's, it's the worst time that a, his, that a company can possibly afford that well that's right and i think like you said easiest way to avoid getting fined comply yeah 100 percent. speaking about how companies are interacting with this le legislation there's also a lot of legislation out there at the moment that is being talked about which hasn't yep. come into play as of the recording of this podcast and a lot of that is to do with commercial leases. One of the things that we're seeing a lot of questions being asked about is between you know, landlords and tenants of commercial properties mm -hmm. in relation to how rent is paid when the business that's operating in that commercial premises is now not able to... They have to shut its yeah, doors. they got to shut its doors. It can't do anything. They can't trade online. There's things like that. So really what's happened as of the 7th of April... Uh, 2020, the National Cabinet announced a set of guidelines that which kind of establish what we're calling the good faith leasing principle. Now, these good faith principles are uh, what the government is using, using to encourage uh, landlords and tenants to sit down like the adults that they are and try and come to some resolution regarding the problem that we're all facing. To work together in good faith, really. A hundred percent. Now, we are predicting, and we can't predict the future, but we're predicting this is only going to last for three to six months maximum. So 
when this is over, obviously landlords want to have tenants for their properties uh, and tenants want to be able to o- operate businesses. They so want to go like, back to work. No, 100%. Yeah. So for us to uh, have, you know, they, they want us to sit down and have a discussion as to well, what issues we are facing and how we can, you know, get around them. Or get stage. through this time that's, that's right. a bit difficult, yeah. Now, at this stage that we're talking, the JobKeeper package has just been released by the government, but we're not going to touch on that today because that's more of an accounting thing. What we're seeing landlords and tenants, the discussions that they're having, usually what they are speaking about is a reduction in rent. Yeah. Now, the reduction in rent obviously is proportionate to the business that's operating there. Uh, but in some cases, it can be 100%. So exactly. It's a, it's a discount for, you know, three months of zero with the ability to either defer it or it's just a complete abatement of yep. rent. Now, when I say defer, what I mean is that you will make it up over the remaining term of the lease. Yep. Uh, or an abatement is you just don't have to pay it for yeah. that period of time. And I think the idea, because as we've seen, the government has allowed flexibility in all areas. So the idea of a tenant not being able to pay, but then an idea that the banks are able to put a hold on mortgage repayments, that everyone's just working in good faith to get us through this time. That's right. And it's an unprecedented time, especially in our lifetime. So everybody's trying to work together because when this is all over we're all going to have to try to get back to normal life and for that to happen we're going to need people in commercial properties we're exactly. going to need commercial properties we're going to need people in jobs really the what they are discussing at the moment if it doesn't make sense to you my advice to you is to speak to someone that you trust that knows what's going on a a lawyer or an accountant uh, but every situation is different here the discussions that you're having with your commercial landlord might be different to the discussions I'm having with my commercial landlord, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very hard for the government to set a one-for-all policy here because all the discussions are different. And that's why they're giving guidelines that's and right. saying this is just a guideline that everyone has to work together in good faith. Yeah. So everyone just needs to, to cooperate and get on the same page if possible. So that's what we're seeing with uh, leasing. Now, moving forward, if there is further financial hardship, other issues will arise. We won't touch on them today because some of the financial hardship is- issues are changing, especially in the way that uh, the courts are able to, you know, chase after rent and, you know, kicking out tenants and stuff like that. But the way that the court system is operating on the whole is changing, isn't it, Lauren? It's it's completely different to how we see it on a... I'll, I'll use the word normal yeah. day to day. We compare it now to what it was a month ago. <laughs> completely different. Yeah, I've never crazy. seen it's the strange. courts operate like this before, and I'm sure it's it's completely different to every single practitioner out there. Yep. And and it's quite confronting for people um, who maybe haven't been in the court system before, and they're being exposed to this, and the lawyer kind of doesn't quite know what's happening yeah, yeah. because everyone's making it up as they got. Yeah. Um, I have to commend all practitioners and court staff to date because everyone has just been really working hard to get everything as across the line as possible. Um, But an example of how the changes are occurring is in the family courts. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, the family court, if you're there on on what we call a a listing day, um, there will be 
anywhere up to 60 people in a courtroom because everyone's just there to get their matters going forward. Yep. Now, everything, unless otherwise notified by the court, is by telephone. Yep. Literally everything, unless you're told differently, is by telephone. Which is something we never thought we would ever ever see. I never thought that there would be a day where I would be sitting in my lounge room in you know comfy clothes and talking to the judge (laughs) it's very strange to speak so formally but be in a completely different situation which is something we can say going through this virus at the moment if this would have happened 20 years ago 30 years ago thank god we couldn't yeah we wouldn't have been able to operate we can try and maintain maintain some norm going forward here which is great so it's good that the court system is doing this exactly and it's good that the court has been so flexible to allow people to still have access to justice in this situation Mm -hmm. um so other than that the court has provided a cap into how many people are allowed in a courtroom because there are some matters that simply can't be dealt with over the phone. They need the in-person attendance. So the court has said, all right, what we'll do is we'll only allow eight people in the courtroom and that's based on the size of the courtroom and how able the courtroom is able to facilitate the 1.2 metre distance and everything like that. So there's eight people in the courtrooms in the Federal Circuit Court and each person has a sort of dedicated standing spot um, and that's to allow enough social distancing for each person. Yep, which makes sense. It goes as if you were in the street standing in line exactly. for something. Exactly, it's to, it's to implement that. The other aspect is that they adjourn every one and a half hours to sanitise the area um, to ensure that there's nothing hanging around. Yep. Um, there's also the ability to conduct things by video conferencing. So most people have heard of Zoom or things like that. And that's important for things like uh, hearings with cross-examination where you need to see the person because yep. a lot of it's based on reaction and emotion and things like yep, that. that's right. Um, pretty much everything else is just adjourned. So if your legal representative is able to write into the court and say we need X amount of time to get documents or anything like that, the registry is working overtime and just sending out emails yep. and things like that. So it's been really, really, really progressive in terms of how they are dealing with things. Um, there's big changes with respect to parenting and family law um, in terms of how the court's dealing with it. But I think it's it's fantastic how we've been able to deal with everything given the difficulties yeah. at this time. And, and it's not just the family court at the moment. Lots of courts are adapting in different ways depending on the type of matters that they usually um, you know, are dealing with. Exactly. But what we're seeing, the, the things that the family court are doing are pretty much similar. As it's well. pretty much across just the board. Just restricting people, moving stuff online. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's small differences in, in each jurisdiction. So the Supreme Court's almost entirely online. The local court does have face-to-face services, but they're encouraging AVL. Yep. Um, it's very restricted. So if, if you do have any type of court date and you don't know what to do about it, one of the best things to do is either contact a lawyer Yep. and say this is what's happening, I'm not too sure what to do, or um, send an email to the registry and yep. they do get back to you with respect of how that registry is dealing yep. with it. Yeah, because every place is somewhat different depending on... The you size, know, how many people are there, everything. Course. Okay, um, no, that's, that's very good. So we've touched on how the courts are handling it, 
how society's handling it, how commercial tenants and landlords are handling it. What we really need to bring it back to as well is how the individuals are dealing with this. Now, everybody's stuck at home, so we're hoping that nobody, well, very minimal people get sick from this virus. But when something like this happens, a big pandemic, it's very hard not to think about getting your own affairs in order. You've got to plan for the worst and work towards the best. That's right. Now, my advice to anybody out there is everybody should have a will. I don't care if you're 18 or you're 99 or anywhere in between, you should at least have a will to make sure that when you pass away, your wishes are complied with. Yeah, and it also gives that ability to know that you're not leaving a minefield yeah. for those that you care about. Now, when I say a will as well, you can have one of those will kits. That's fine. That's something. But there may be things you want to do that can't be done. And without a lawyer telling you whether or not you you can and cannot do it means that what you may want to happen will not happen. Yes. So if you are looking to get your affairs in order, you really need to consider how to plan out your estate. Now, when we say plan your estate, we talk about a will, obviously, which everyone knows. Everyone out there is guaranteed to use their will one day. It might not be from coronavirus, but it might be from whatever is happening in the future. uh, And we all know that we will use it. Now, the other documents we talk about is the power of attorney and enduring guardian. Great documents as well, because they allow a person you appoint to make either financial decisions for you or medical decisions for you. The running joke always is that there are a few things that a power of attorney doesn't allow you to do and you don't have to worry because a power of attorney doesn't permit someone to marry you off. That's right, yeah, yep, that's right. Now, a power of attorney um, usually is only used if you don't have capacity. So, you know, if you're suffering from stroke, dementia, coma, heart attack, it can be used in other situations, um, but we won't touch on all of them now. Enduring Guardian is the exact same and just make sure that your medical wishes are complied with. So if you're a person out there like me who wants what they want to happen uh, in the event anything was to happen to them, um, you need to make sure you have all those documents sorted. It's vital and it's yeah. one of those things that you don't realise how yeah. important they are yeah. until you experience what it, yeah. what it means to not have them. Well, I say the flip side, Lauren. I say it all the time exactly. where people don't have them and what they want to happen can't happen. It just, it just can't happen. <laughs> okay. And people have ideas in their mind about, oh, I can leave $10 to so-and-so and they can't make a claim on my estate. It's just the wrong. Okay. They just don't understand it. There is so much misinformation. That's right. That's right. And I'm going to go out and say it as well. Will kit, you may as well not have because... It, it's useless. It, yeah. It, it's not worth the paper it's written on. Exactly. So if you're going to do it, do it right. And especially at this time with this pandemic, just make sure that you are protected. So if something that you know, something does happen in the future, your family is the one that you know is able to deal with that. They're already going to be grieving, going through exactly. the loss of a loved one. Just make the legal process that much easier. The last thing you want to leave them with is stressful paperwork that yeah just reminds them of a mess. Well, that's right. Or you know, trying to find things such as title deeds and bank account details just put it all in the one space, make it easier. Uh, but, you know, hopefully you don't need to use it due to this virus. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's good time to get your affairs in order. Anyway. It does It does cr- remind everybody that we are all human. That's right. And it's a good way to... Yeah, we're all not going to be here forever, unfortunately. Exactly. So exactly. you might be able to hear our, hear our um, dulcet tones on the podcast for the next 200 years, but we definitely won't be here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... 
that really touches on all the things we wanted to talk about COVID-19. Unless there's anything else you wanted to say, Lauren? No, just for everyone to stay safe and stay home. Yeah, stay home, stay safe. We will all make it through this. We just need to, you know, take a bit of time and let this curve come down. Okay. So we will be, uh, you will be hearing from us, sorry, over the next couple of weeks. We're back. You'll be getting a podcast every week or so. If you've got any requests for a podcast, please send it through to us. You can email us at info at adamslawyers.com.au or you can uh, like us on Facebook at Adams and Partners Lawyers. Send us a message, put a comment on, give us some feedback and uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll hit you up with some new topics in the future. That's it from me. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Cam. Speak to you all soon. Bye. Bye.